I wish there was a way to know you're in the good old days before you've actually left them. Welcome back once again, episode two, After the Storm. Man, I have some things to discuss before we get into this show. I have two major things I want to address. First of all, wow, I am overwhelmed by the positive feedback from that first episode. Aside from my friends that are already on payroll to say nice things about me, it was great to hear from so many of my old friends and familiar faces, people I hadn't talked to in years reaching out that I would have never imagined would even take the time to click on this little link and listen to this show. But it just means so much to be able to have these conversations, open up these new conversations with people from my past and realize how much we have in common, despite the fact that we haven't really spoken much. And it was just this incredibly satisfying feeling. I I mean, I, I had no expectations for that first show. It could have been a complete bomb. But the fact that so many of you went out and listened to it and reached out to me and, and had nice things to say about it, it just means the world. And of course, you know, it felt risky sharing so much of myself like that. The fact that so many of you guys walked away from that episode with either nostalgia or something relatable or an appreciation for new songs. And it really gave me the motivation to continue to do this show. Just all that support. It, it's great. But all of that leads me into the second thing I want to discuss which is actually the central focus of this episode, imposter syndrome. And despite the great feedback and messages, I still found myself having an incredibly difficult week from a mental standpoint, right? Although people enjoyed it and were impressed, you know, and had all these great things to say, I would go back and listen to that episode and still have problems with it and still have issues with it and thought to myself, ah, oh, man, this could have been better, that could have been better you know, the little things to try to be a perfectionist. And that could be a debilitating thing when you're trying to put stuff out into the world. And from that, you just have to kind of psych yourself out of that at some point. You gotta be your own biggest fan. You know, that's where a lot of your imposter syndrome comes from, not believing in yourself. But fuck that. Life's about taking more selfies and gassing yourself up and talking up your accomplishments, but also doing that for the people around you. Just because you're your own biggest fan doesn't mean that someone else can't be at the same time. This world is about giving people their flowers. And if you could do one nice thing, say one nice thing about somebody every single day, the world would be a better place for it. Oftentimes I've seen people accomplish something great, something unique, or just something that's important to them, and then diminish it at the end of uh, the journey. Uh, assuming that it's not good enough, that it's not a big deal. But as I mentioned in the other, in the first episode, sometimes you have to make a big deal out of the small things in your life. And we got to celebrate those little moments just as much as we celebrate the big accomplishments, right? Just, you don't have to only celebrate promotions and uh, a new baby and uh, you know, those kinds of things, new jobs, you know, we can accomplish, uh, we can celebrate the small things that we accomplish as well. I think people struggle to do that. And that's where a lot of this imposter syndrome comes from. And so today's episode is a mix of imposter syndrome and social media because there's a really fine line between those two things where they kind of 
play off of each other. A lot of imposter syndrome comes from the fact that like you see other people on social media living a particular life and you thinking that yours doesn't match up with that and thinking that my stuff isn't as good, I'm not working hard enough or whatever it may be. When really you don't know the, the lengths of what that other person has gone through to get to where they are. When things don't move fast enough, you start to give up hope and question why you're even doing what you're doing in the first place. You grow tired of being tired of all the hours and the, the work, the restless nights that you've had just trying to accomplish this one thing that at the end of it, you're not even sure if it's going to better your life, if it's going to be worth it. You start to measure your success against others. See, the problem is that in this life, people emulate the end result more than they do the actual process. Everybody wants to take a shortcut. No one wants to put in the hard work. And believe me, I am guilty of that as well. When I get locked in, I'm the hardest working person in the room. But if I'm not locked in, then sometimes I just can do the bare minimum and try to get away with that. It's the truth. You grow restless, you grow tired, and there's no end in sight, seemingly. Currently, I find myself in a position where I feel a bit lost. I don't know what's next for me. And I'm just trying to find a new groove and see what works for me. And I feel like all the things that I like are personally attacking me right now. I went for a run the other night. I'm trying to be a morning person now, waking up at five, six in the morning, trying to just start my day early. So far, it's felt good. It's a little shock to the system. I'm not much of a morning person, but lately it's been good. But I went for a run the other day, so I put on some Metallica. I was trying to have this like nice, aggressive, like high tempo run. So I put on this song I haven't heard in years called The Unforgiven Three. So they have obviously Unforgiven One and Unforgiven Two. All great songs if you're into that kind of music. But anyway, I hear, how can I feel lost if I've got no place to go? Like, all right, bro, like I'm just trying to go for a run. I'm not trying to be attacked personally at 6.30 in the morning, bro, <laughs> before the sun comes up. But that kind of perfectly described exactly where I was at mentally, where I've felt lately. So it can be scary, but it could also be an exciting journey because I am not a fan of complacency. So who knows where this will take me? So with all that being said, imposter syndrome. But of course, this wouldn't be the show if we didn't have music to listen to and other topics to get into as well. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Eddie. Welcome to the After the Storm podcast. So feel free to sit back, pour yourself a drink, We'll share some laughs, some moments, as we enjoy this ride down this path of self-acknowledgement, life, and of course, music. The sun will come out, I think the hardest part of this entire podcast making process is picking the songs that I want to play every week. Do you know how many good, incredible songs and artists and albums there are in this world? And to choose two or three on a weekly basis is the most impossible task you could possibly put me on. Not every song that I play here is going to be new or unique to you, but I feel as though there are a couple of artists, two bands in particular, that over the past three years or so have 
really been my favorite. I don't think I listen to any artists, at least outside of the hip hop genre, more than I listen to these two bands. So I figured today would be a great day to highlight these two particular bands. The two bands are the Arctic Monkeys and the Glass Animals. The Glass Animals have recently become uh, this worldwide phenomenon because of heat waves that's over a billion streams one of the songs of the year it's the number one song in the country in the world actually and it was released over two years ago now or at least around two years ago which is fucking crazy and so we'll get into them later but the first band that i'm going to highlight is the arctic monkeys so much of the, the songwriting on on these songs I would put up against almost anything. It's it's incredible. And to this day, one of my greatest regrets in this life, not just musically, but in this life in general, was the fact that I left an Arctic Monkeys performance early to go watch Travis Scott. And at the time, it seemed like a great idea. Astro World had just come out. And I was big into Trav. But honestly, his show is something that I, I mean, he went on tour. I could have seen him whenever. He's super active. The Monkees, I don't even think they've been on tour ever since the last time I saw them in 2017 or 18. But now I sit here in regret, and it's unfortunate. But I digress. It's time to get into my favorite part of the show. So this song that I will be highlighting is Crying Lightning by the Arctic Monkeys. Like, I have nothing to say about this song other than the fact that I think it's incredible. So take a second to adjust your volume because it's about to get a little loud in here. So without further ado, Crying Lightning by the Arctic Monkeys. Outside the cafe by the cracker factory You were practicing a magic trick And my thoughts got rude as you talked And chewed on the last of your pick and mix So you're mistaken if you're thinking that Consisted of the strange and twisted and deranged And I loved that little game you had called Crying lightning And how you like to aggravate the ice cream man on rainy afternoons The next time that
our pastimes consisted of the strange, twisted and deranged. I ate that little game you had called Crying Lightning. So back to the regularly scheduled program, as I said earlier, the topic of discussion today is imposter syndrome and how often we go through it and how little we realize how common it is. Now, there are five major types of imposter syndrome that you can look out for. Now, the one that I say I would relate to the most is the perfectionist. Yes, the perfectionist is the one who sets extremely, extremely high goals for themselves. And when you don't reach them, you often find yourself just doubting yourself and, and worried that you're never going to be able to measure up to the expectations that you set for yourself. Perfectionist is exactly the kind of imposter syndrome that I faced this week after I made this podcast. After I made it, uh, I was happy with it at first and then everybody heard it and I obviously got all this great feedback and I love it. And obviously I took a lot from that and, and I know that the direction of this show is going the right way. However, listening back to it, because I'm the one who made it and edited it and did all this stuff, I would find every single issue with it, every nitpicking issue. My uh, Things as much as my voice was different uh, in certain segments, uh, some of the editing was off. Little things that you would never really care to listen to unless you care to listen to them. When it comes to doing creative work, I often have trouble delegating any of my responsibilities to anybody else because I'm the one with the full vision for what I want to do with this and I need to almost micromanage what's going on, which is terrible because ideally in a creative world, you'd like to be able to collaborate with other people and take a little bit from them and combine for something spectacular. But unfortunately, that's just not always the case for me. The next type of imposter syndrome that I want to discuss is that Superman, Superwoman mentality that some people have because they feel like they don't belong in the at their place of work or that they're phonies amongst real deal colleagues, right? So what do you do? You push yourself and you work harder just to try to measure up and you feel like none of this is natural to you. So you have to just exert more effort. But all this really does is just cover up these insecurities that you have. And all that's gonna do is you're gonna overload yourself. You're gonna just drown yourself in work. And that, as many of us know, when you consume yourself in one thing too much, it often affects not only your mental health, but your relationships with other people. When you start letting work affect the amount of time you put into the things that you like to do, your hobbies, working out, your social life, you'll find that you'll become more stressed and increasingly more uninspired. 
to do the things that make you who you really are. The biggest issue with this form of imposter syndrome is that these workaholics, they feel, they, they, they live for that validation that comes from working tirelessly. And it's not the actual work itself that makes them feel good. It's just the idea of working and making it seem like you're worthy of the title that you have. And the two, I guess, talking points that I would say you should walk away with from this form of imposter syndrome is that one, you should never let constructive criticism get the best of you. You shouldn't take it personally. And you should realize that sometimes it's necessary for you to be able to do the best job that you can possibly do. And the other point is that no one should have more power to make you feel good about yourself than you do. Nobody. So don't let the idea of not feeling worthy of your occupation or your status or whatever the case may be, get in the way of you understanding that you are worthy of having everything that you have. The next type of imposter syndrome is derivative of the perfectionist. And that's that natural genius. This is a person who feels as though they need to understand and learn everything the first time they try it. The longer they take to figure something out, the more incompetent they feel. Just like perfectionists, the natural genius is known to set the internal bar impossibly high. It's rare that you'll ever actually meet those expectations. And even if you have found this niche uh, calling where you see that you're kind of a natural at certain things, that doesn't mean that you can just take that mentality towards everything else. You're not going to be able to learn everything the right way the first time around. The problem with the natural genius is that if you don't do it right the first time, not only that, but if you don't do it right the first time and with ease, you feel as though you don't know what you're doing. These types are used to excelling without much effort. They're the straight A students, the gold star students, the smart ones in the family, the ones that refuse to have a mentor and are often difficult to speak to because everything that you try to teach them just kind of ends up drawing a condescending response from them. But I think the worst part of having this type of imposter syndrome is that because of this fear of failing or this fear of not being being able to get something right the first time, you miss out a lot on life. And there are a lot of risks that you don't take just because you feel uncomfortable with the thought that you may not be great at it or that you may not succeed at it. Maybe not the first time, second time. And that's hard for the natural genius imposters to figure out. But the reality is that every day we are all a work in progress and we're never a finished product. No, I don't care who it is. No one here is a finished product. We always have something new to learn, whether it be in our industry, career-wise, or personality-wise, life in general. We always have something new to learn. So no one here is a full work. We're all still figuring ourselves out. We're still in progress. So rather than beating yourself up when you don't reach these incredibly high standards, you should just look for behaviors that you can change that can help you improve over time and not be so hard on yourself the next time you don't have that natural ability to just be good at something. Now this next one, I believe is the most common form of imposter syndrome that I've come across. I'm guilty of it and I've seen so many people uh, have this behavior as well. 
This is called the soloist. The soloist is exactly what it sounds like. It's that person who feels as though unless they can accomplish something on their own, then they're not worthy, that they're failures. These are the kinds of people that always say, I don't need anyone's help. That always say that I can do this on my own. And that's fine. You always want to have that that, that, that form of self-accomplishment. But not everything in this life needs to be handled by yourself. It's okay to be independent. People love being independent, but not to the extent where you refuse the help of someone who can actually help you. People have this common fear of if they go ask what they deem as a stupid question or they put themselves out there too much, that, they, that they're going to be judged, that someone's gonna look at them like they're stupid, like they're not worthy, like they don't know what they're doing. But honestly, all that is is pride. People are so prideful. Fuck pride. What's pride? It's an internal little voice in your head yelling at you, telling you not to do something that you actually feel like doing. Since when do you even follow orders, but you're gonna listen to this little voice in your head? This dumb little voice in your head that tells you not to ask the questions, not to relieve yourself of these anxieties that you have, not to text that person, not to call that person, not to try something new. You're gonna listen to this little voice in your head, why? There's no real benefit to just doing everything on your own. Not to get off topic or be too cliche, but you have one life to live. And if you continue to live it with these restrictions that you give yourself and not going for the things that you want, what's the point of even doing any of this at all? If you're just gonna live in fear forever. I've seen people ruin relationships, ruin career opportunities, and so many other things because they were afraid to ask the questions, because they were afraid to have the right conversations, the conversations that they want to have, to, to relieve themselves of the things that they weren't sure of. And why? What's the point of having all this stress built up in your head when you can just show some moxie and do what you need to do to get the answers that you're looking for? And this form ends up affecting you in many facets of your life. Stop being so damn prideful all the time. You've got nothing to lose. And if you are in a position where you are willing to put your pride to the side and yet you're still judged for it, then maybe that relationship, maybe that job just were never meant for you. And it's time to move on to bigger and better things, things that understand your worth. And finally, the last form of imposter syndrome that I wanted to discuss, the downsider. Oh, the downsider is that type of person that never feels like anything that they do is worthy of anyone's accolades. You feel like success is impossible to begin with, but even when you succeed and you achieve something, then you just feel incompetent despite the fact that you actually displayed competency. You have this fear of not meeting another person's expectations and you feel like everything that you've accomplished is due to luck. You don't give yourself any credit. And when people try to compliment you on things, you just kind of brush it off. And you don't take the moment to understand that people around you are proud of you and that they care for you and your success. And then even if you are proud of what you've accomplished, then you have this fear of feeling incapable of ever performing to that level, to that standard ever again, assuming that you have just peaked. And don't get me wrong, a lot of this mentality can sometimes come from past traumas. The way you were brought up definitely has an effect on the way that you feel the need to accomplish certain things. And I think there's a particular correlation to 
past traumas when it comes to the soloist and the downsider forms of imposter syndrome. So the next time that you feel unworthy, unsure, unsatisfied with your performance, with where you're at in life or whatever you got going on in your life, you gotta take a hard look in the mirror and realize that you're a motherfucking giant in this world. And all the glitz, all the glamour, all the accolades, the pats on the back, all of that, the promotions, you deserve all of it. And never, ever let anyone tell you otherwise. How fucked up were top eights? Could you imagine a top eight today? Now, I'm assuming that everyone who listens to this podcast knows what a top eight. Everyone had a MySpace. You had your MySpace songs and your friends. You knew all the HTML codes to customize your page and make it look as cool as possible. And I know that some of you even had like top fours, top twos, top 16s. The real cowards had like top 30s because they didn't want to offend anyone. But could you imagine a top eight? today or like in our 20s right imagine that some of us don't even have eight people to put into a top eight the drama that those stupid myspace top eights started in like middle school years and i think maybe freshman year of high school i don't even remember if that was still around at that time but the dramas that that would start amongst all the little like clicks it's just so funny to look back at how petty that all was but if you want to put a twist on it in today's society the thing with the top eight and how bad it would be for people today, at least I think, is that people like to act like they don't care. But the reality is that more often than not, you want to see yourself as a bigger deal in someone else's world. You may see someone as your best friend or one of your best friends or someone you can count on and depend on at all times, but they may not see you in that same light. And that's okay. Not everyone is going to be compatible like that and not everyone's going to have that dynamic relationship. But at one point or another, whether it be with a friend or someone that you dated or whoever it may be, at some point you've hoped that this other person has put you on some kind of pedestal. And I think that the way that that translates into the modern world of social media is that you expect people to like or comment or support every single little thing that you do. I can almost guarantee that everyone who listens to this podcast at one point or another has scrolled up on their Instagram story just to see if a particular someone viewed your story. And at that point, you've officially put this person on a pedestal. And so you have to ask yourself, what am I posting for? Was this a natural post like, oh, I actually wanted to share this moment with friends? Or was I trying to impress someone? Or was I trying to catch the attention of a particular person? Not everyone takes social media that seriously. And if you're one of those people who are fortunate enough to just kind of have it in the background and don't really focus too much on it, then congratulations. That's great to hear. But there are other people out there who have an Instagram problem. 
And the life that you portray online is not always indicative of the one that you're living. Sometimes you see people out and they look like they're having a time of their lives. They're having a blast they're at a party. They're out at a bar, clubbing drinks, you know, blogger-like posts. And you think to yourself, wow, this person is really making the most of their life and enjoying it. But in reality, you have no idea what's going on behind the lens of that camera. What's going through the mind of the person that you see on that story, on that post. Instagram has given us an outlet to portray a certain life that we want everyone else to assume that we are living. If you want people to assume that you care about social issues and world news, guess what? It's as easy as reposting something on your story and writing a little paragraph about it. If you want to trick yourself and others into believing that you're living this lavish lifestyle, that you're having the best time of your life, it's as easy as a 15-second story away. And don't get me wrong, I love Instagram. It's one of my favorite time-killing apps or things to do, I guess. But it can undeniably be used as a vessel to portray yourself as whatever you want to be portrayed as online. To be an imposter for people that don't know better. And don't get me wrong, you can see a lot of good on this app. But if you come to the point where you feel like you're using it for the wrong reasons, trying to keep up with the lives of people that you shouldn't really care about anymore, then why even continue to put this show up to pretend? But hey, sometimes some of the greatest love stories and relationships, friendships started with a simple reply to story notification on your phone. Also, while I'm here, guys, don't be fucking creepy. Like, I've seen firsthand what a woman's DMs look like after just like a selfie or something minuscule. And it's fucking creepy, man. Listen, I'm all about shooting your shot, but also don't be weird. But that's a whole nother topic on its own. And I could, I could go into a rant about that as well, as I'm sure that many women would. I, I can't even begin to relate, but... It's a fucking problem. All right. So guys, just please PSA, stop being a fucking weirdo. All right. Leave her alone. So a lot of this podcast is spent talking about some serious shit, but I have a plethora of segments in mind to do on this show, but the first one I want to get out of the way was inspired essentially by that last segment about social media. See, I started to think about uh, MySpace Top 8s and all the other things that were going around during that era of my life and so many of our lives as well. And so I thought it would be fun to look back at some of the most questionable high school trends from when most of us were in high school. So what I have here in front of me is a top 10 list of things that I deem regrettable and questionable that we all either liked or had some kind of relation to at some point. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. So all right, here we go, the top 10 most questionable high school trends. Number 10, throwing a telly 
Could you imagine throwing a telly as an adult? No, because we're adults. There's no need for that. Also, who in their right mind was putting down a card? What parents were allowing their children to put down a card for a hotel room that they are completely liable for with underage children drinking alcohol? It's honestly incredible that we weren't caught more often. Number nine, Form Spring. Who remembers Form Spring? If you don't remember Form Spring, Form Spring was this website where you could anonymously answer questions to other people. So let's say I posted a question about myself and you could just answer the meanest shit in the world and I never know who you are. That mentally, how terrifying is, how terrible is that? And other people can read it. That was the worst part. People would just roast you and say whatever they want about you, you know, say your deepest, darkest secrets just out of revenge and the world could see it. It's a terrible thing. Number eight, puka shell necklaces. One of my very dearest and best friends whose name I will not say just to save him the embarrassment. Uh, he was, uh, must have been a spokesperson for puka shell necklaces because this man wore it all the time and I, I don't understand wh what the point of it was. Perhaps I may have worn one at some point. There probably is some picture out there on like photo bucket that exists of me rocking a puka shell necklace. But when I find it, I will delete it from this earth and it will be burned. Puka shell necklaces, what were we thinking? Number seven, here's a trend that continues to haunt me to this day, Crocs. I hate Crocs. If I could go back in time and talk some sense into the creator of Crocs, just, just a different concept, man, a different design. This dude took clogs which are already hideous in their own right put holes in them and then release them to the world and then people were just like oh i'm gonna get this little pin this little mickey mouse pin this little ninja turtles pin it's gonna look cute i'm my little crocs they're awful i don't care how comfortable they are they're hideous they're one of the most hideous things ever invented speaking of fashion and poor fashion choices number six and number five will hit home for some of you number six hollister and american ego polos the pants the belts the shoes the whole thing Right, you walk in, it's dark as shit. Like go to International Mall or Dolphin Mall. First of all, turn the lights up. Okay, you got Ocean Avenue playing on repeat. And honestly, every single shirt was always like two times too small for the person who bought them. And do you remember how they would be like a Hollister or American Eagle model outside of these stores? Just some shirtless dude uh, trying to get people in. What what is that? What what kind of marketing is that? But that leads me into number five ed hardy clothing god how awful is that if you still wear ed hardy clothing seek help i don't know why rappers and producers were rocking these uh, these shirts and these pants and people in my school man they had i swear you had a shirt with like a the top half of a dragon and then the pants would have like the other it's like a the other side of a dragon it's like a whole uniform that these people would wear you got the shoes the hats yo ed come on man how did we look back on how do we ever allow that to happen how was ed hardy ever a thing number four i'm sure this one's gonna hurt for some people but twilight some of the worst movies i've ever watched and now robert pattinson has been completely forgiven because whew, if you've never watched good times or of course the batman then you may judge robert pattinson on his you know original role in that series but wow 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 why was every girl obsessed with this just it was a werewolf and a vampire fighting over this like regular ass girl 
and the acting oh my god it was so cringy i get it the books are fine but we didn't need three full-length movies but anyway on to number three this one i'm so anyone who's ever had this i'm surprised that we're still standing and if we are still standing i'm sure that if we consumed enough of this particular drink that we shaved at least two three four years off of our lifetimes i'm talking of course about four locos four locos what was up with that how were we how was that legal and why was that legal for us during that period of our lives we weren't even technically allowed to drink we were under 21. i witnessed four locos be the just the cause of some of the most horrifying and just embarrassing moments of some of my dear friends lives not to mention the questionable decision making that plenty of people must have had under the influence of those four locos i have a friend another one who will also remain unnamed just for the sheer embarrassment who once asked me hey you write i said yes of course i write and he said what do you do to kind of get out of this writer's block and i told him well usually i pour myself a little drink and you know get a little loose and and i figure it out through there so this man decides that he's going to inhale an entire tall boy of four loco and write his term paper on an empty stomach needless to say that term paper did not get written at least not that night four loco man what a what a time that was all right, number two, and this one pains me to say because I was so engaged with this show. And to this day, some of the characters are just some of the most outlandish and just, I don't know, memorable people I've ever seen on my TV screen. I'm talking, of course, about Jersey Shore. The cabs are here. It's t-shirt time. Oh, the nostalgia that comes from that show, but also arguably one of the most mind-numbing things I've ever seen in my life. I could have lived my entire adolescence without knowing who Snooki or Mike the Situation or I, Ronnie and Sam, which it's so funny because their stupid little letter uh, is it still trends to this day. It's still viral. And I, I'm just done with the show. I'm done with it. And then number one, and of course, number one is always up for discussion, but I just, this, this, it's so questionable and why this was so popular. Silly bands. And if you don't remember silly bands, they're the little uh, rubber bands that we had that were animal shaped or whatever, shaped as different things. And we would rock like 18 of these motherfuckers at school and we'd trade them and we'd show people like, this is what I got. I got this little dinosaur. I got this dog. I got all oh, this, this is SpongeBob here. Oh, it's Patrick. The fuck was the point of that? How stupid was that? I wonder if high school kids around the country were onto that, or if it was just like us in this little secluded part of the country. What what were we thinking? But of course, we were high school kids, and I'm sure there are several other trends that I did not mention. So if you have anything in mind that you think I might have missed out on, please feel free to let me know after you listen to the show. So we have arrived at the end of another episode. And of course, you know, if you listen to the first episode, that that means that you have another song coming your way. I have to take a little bit of time to 
just discuss what this band means to me. This is the Glass Animals. And I have to say that I don't think there was a single artist that I listened to more over the past two years, maybe three, than this group. I talked these boys up like it's nobody's business. I They were my first concert post-pandemic. I hadn't been to a show since October of 2019 when I saw Post Malone up until September 7th when I saw The Glass Animals in St. Augustine. And perhaps it was the fact that I hadn't seen a show in two years, but I would make the argument that it might have been the top one, two, three best concert I've ever been to in my life. These boys put on a hell of a performance. And throughout that time, they released Dreamland in 2020, but it was June of 2020 or sometime around there. And ever since then, they've blown up. They were just this kind of small indie group with this cult following. And now the success of Heat Waves has completely catapulted them into a completely new stratosphere. Whether I was happy, whether I was sad, whether I was going on a run, about to work out, no matter the mood, these guys have a song, an emotion, a sound for all of these feelings. And I deeply, deeply, deeply appreciate their music and the impact that they have had on me and on the music scene in general. So obviously choosing one song to play from the Glass Animals was incredibly difficult. And if this was another day, maybe I would have played a different song. No, I'm not gonna sit here and play Heat Waves, which has over a billion streams at this point. I'm sure more, it's on Twitter, two billion. But it's no coincidence that this band has been on my end of year Spotify in review top five the past three, four years running, both a song and the artist in general. So today I end the show playing a song that almost seems fitting to the theme and the central focus of this show in general, nostalgia. The song is called Youth and it's off How to Be a Human Being, which is the album that put this band on the map. Youth is about nostalgia and the strange mix of happiness and sadness that swirls around it. Our upbringing and the way that we were raised has a lot to say in the way that we react to things today as adults. And this song perfectly paints that picture and tells that story. So as we arrive at the end of episode two, I have to say once again, thank you to everybody for listening. If you made it this far, if you even just opened up the stream. I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. Take it easy. And make sure you tell somebody you love them. Here's Youth by the Glass Animals. Yeah.